Welcome to the network. This is our attempt at creating a modern podcast version of the Negro Motorist Green Book. Um, with each interview, we are building a network of talented professionals that you can reach out and touch. Every episode is an invaluable resource for Black people living in and traveling through America. Today's guest is my first supervisor when I moved to Houston, Texas, back in the year 2000, Nicole Franklin Jones. Nicole, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for this opportunity, Mike. It's always a pleasure. Definitely, definitely. So before we begin, tell our audience where they can find you if they need to reach out and touch you for some more information. Sure. They can reach me at Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E, F is in Frank, at Avda, A is in Apple, V is in Victor, D is in Doc, A is in Apple, TX.org. Cool. Y'all got that? All right. So if you need to reach out to Nicole, if you have some questions, if you need some help, you know somebody who may need some help, make sure that y'all can reach out to Nicole. So Nicole, tell us, who, who is Nicole Franklin Jones? Where Where is she from? How did she end up where she is today? So uh, again, I am Nicole Franklin Jones, and I was actually born in San Antonio, Texas. Um, and as a youngster, my parents moved here to Houston, and so I grew up in Houston, Texas. Um, went to Texas Southern University, go Tigers, uh, where I majored in psychology. Yes, I have an SU person on the line, where I graduated, mastered in uh, psychology and criminal justice. And then I then turned around and went to University of Phoenix and majored in, I got my master's in organizational management. Um, I am a certified national trainer for a dropout prevention program uh, where I've been doing that for over almost 25 years. And I am also a certified professional life coach specializing in working with at-risk youth as well as couple relationships. And that's my passion right there. Okay. So your passion is working with youth and the couple relationships? Absolutely. Absolutely. I currently, I currently work with, uh, ABDA, which stands for Aid to Victim of Domestic Abuse. Uh, and, you know, because of the work that I've done with at-risk youth, I realized that there was a, uh, something that was missing and that got me interested in learning more about domestic violence. And so I am currently the director over youth and outreach um, here in Harris County um, in Houston, as well as in Fort Bend. Uh, and I focus on not only educating uh, young adults on what is healthy relationships compared to unhealthy relationships, but also work with adults in getting them to understand the importance of breaking the cycle of abuse. Okay. Okay. So give me some characteristics of a healthy relationship. So if I'm in a healthy relationship, what does that look like? How, how do I know I'm in a healthy relationship? So first we have to understand the importance of knowing what the cycle of abuse is. And so when we look at the cycle of abuse, it's something that each and every one of us have experienced. Um, and for some of us, we understood the importance of how to get out of the cycle. And But there are also those who stay in the cycle, which is one of the reasons why we talk about why victims stay. And so when we talk about where it begins, everything starts with that honeymoon, right? And we get into when we meet someone and we fall in love with them and then we get into a routine. And what we don't anticipate 
is the tension that can be created in that relationship, which causes triggers, which causes abuse, which then in turn turns into an individual providing excuses. And so when we start getting to talking about what is healthy, we have to understand it's about nonviolence, right? It's about equality um, in a relationship. And that's the thing that a lot of individuals miss. Let me, let me jump in right here. Mm -hmm. So you, you said a key word, you said violence, right? Now, so I was in a training one time and we were talking about violence in schools mm -hmm. and they were talking about fighting mm -hmm. and I was looking at them like, that's not violence. Mm. And they were looking at me like I was crazy <laughs> because where I grew up, I saw fights. Right. Okay. So that was just, that was mutual hand to hand combat. Mm -hmm. That wasn't really violence. So when I thought about violence, I was thinking shot, stabbed. Um, somebody getting jumped on and, and stuff like that. But so I had to come to realize that I needed to change right. my definition of violence. Mm -hmm. So for somebody who may have grown up in a similar background where, you know, fighting mm -hmm. and yelling and all of that is just, it, that's normal. Um, help us understand exactly what violence is. So you use the key word that was normal. That was normal to you. That means that you've normalized that behavior based on what you grew up, what you saw. And so when we talk about violence, whether it is with someone that is your intimate partner, same sex partner, it can be father and son, it could be mother and daughter, it can even be elderly. Um, it's about a systematic pattern of abusive behaviors. And that's used by one person to try to maintain or gain power and control over another individual. And so when we had, we grew up in we grew up in a neighborhood where there was constant fighting, it was about dominance. It was about one person trying to gain that power and control over another individual. And once we do that, and that can come in so many different forms. And so often enough, a lot of individuals grow up in that setting. And if you grew up that way, that is what you know, because no one has taught you any different until someone does come along and say that behavior is not okay which we see that a lot in a lot of our young adults. And we tell them that you have normalized something that is unhealthy and made it healthy just for you. But we know that that's not how we define a healthy relationship. Healthy is about right. equality, right? And so whether you're in a relationship with your, your, your spouse or your best friend, it doesn't make a difference. When we look at equality, it's about non-threatening behaviors. And so you have to understand what that means, talking to someone, communicating with, to them without screaming or shouting or emotionally or verbally abusing them or physically abusing them. That's healthy. Okay. So, well, well first, I, I can see your computer screen, mm -hmm. it, the glare in your okay. glasses. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> but can, can you see? Yeah. I, <laughs> okay. All right. Turn it around. Uh, okay. okay. So... Oh, you can see. What if, what, what if, you know, you're telling me that I'm raising my voice, that I'm yelling at you, mm -hmm. but I'm insisting that I'm not yelling. Mm -hmm. So what, what, like, so what happened when you're in a relationship with someone, 
And, you know, we have behaviors that we've accumulated over years, right? And so mm -hmm. if someone has never questioned that behavior, then to you, that is just how you're, we call it passion. This is just how I speak. This is just how I communicate. That's I'm to passionate. you. I'm passionate. But that's to uh -huh. you. Whereas to someone else, that may be eternalized as you being disrespectful. Uh, you know, you're, you're being uh, uh, verbally abusive towards them. It's no different than someone that says, you know, uh, I ignore my mate and I just walk away and I don't talk to them when they're angry. That is a form of mental abuse because what you've just done is you put that person in a position where now they're about to lose their voice because they're not being heard. And that is no different. So you are you are controlling how that individual behaves. And that is not considered a healthy relationship because see, it's easy for you to change that person than it is for you to change yourself, because that means you have to admit that there are some things about you that are questionable that should be should be changed. So what we do is we gain that power and control. We try to over another individual in order to change them and continue to be who we are because we accepted who we are. So if I'm raising my voice at you or if I choose to just give you the silent treatment and walk away, mm -hmm. equally destructive patterns of behavior. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give That's you a, 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 a couple of these. This is what we consider um, when we talk about domestic violence. OK, and I had to pull up my notes on this one. So we know that there is physical abuse and we talk about physical abuse all the time. Physical and sexual abuse are probably the two top ones that people identify with. Right. Because we call those arrestable offenses. And the reason being is because when the cops come out, it's evident that a person has been physically or sexually abused. You know, that's a done case. However, there are so many other forms of abuse. There is emotional abuse. And when we talk about emotional abuse, we have to define just exactly what that might be. And that can be not listening to someone, not respecting them, ignoring them, destroying things. These are all the things that start off and we consider them to be red flags. However, those red flags, when we ignore those red flags, can turn into a form of physical abuse. And so that's what we mean by the individual. If you grew up in an environment where you saw screaming and shouting and cursing, you know, that if that's all you know, then when you grow up as, a, as from a young child to an adult, that is who you become, right? Um, and so then we also talk about verbal abuse because there are some individuals, they can put you down and say, well, I just put you down. It wasn't that serious. I just said you were too fat or you were too skinny or you were this or you were that. But we don't realize how we're, we are emotionally abusing another individual. A lot of my clients would say, I'd rather be physically abused than emotionally abused because the scars on the outside will dissipate, but the scars on the inside can last a lifetime. So think about if wow. you grew up and that's what you saw and your parents and whomever was in your life, whoever you role model what healthy should be. And they were cursing and they were fighting. They were emotionally abusive. And they came back and they masked it with the word love. Then you grow up thinking that's exactly what love is. So we focus on those two along with financial abuse. We focus on it after uh, a big one that people tend to ignore is spiritual abuse. And now we have technological abuse, which is another big one that the courts have started to recognize. Okay. So wait, did you say spiritual abuse? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Tell me, tell me more about that. So again, we think that abuse starts with physical and sexual. No, when we talk about unhealthy, it can look in form as such as this. 
I meet someone and I worship. This is my place of worship. And if someone comes in and they say, you know what? Uh, I no longer want to worship here because I feel as though this place does not support us. Right. And it seems very innocent. However, this person just removed you, were able to remove you and convince you that this place is not what's best for you and I. Now I've isolated you from your spirituality. Or you may find someone that says, you know what? I am the head of the household biblically. It says, I'm the dominant one in the in the household. And for some cultures, they truly believe in that. And so if I'm somebody that's spiritually grounded, and I believe that the man is the head of the household, and he is the one that should control and dominate, it's nothing wrong with that. Where it becomes a concern is when a person no longer is able to have a voice in that home when it comes to their spirituality, because that person has dominated and controlled them. A lot of our clients would say, I didn't even realize it until later on that that actually creeped up on me. And when I removed my spiritual guide, which was the only thing that I had as a foundation, when that was gone, then this person came in and started controlling me in other aspects of my life as well. Wow. So we have to be mindful about the red flags of an unhealthy relationship. Okay. So, so do me a favor, just run us through those red flags again, because I want to make sure that our listeners get those red flags. Okay. So first and foremost, it's isolation. When we get into an unhealthy relationship, the first thing an individual is going to try to do is remove everyone and anyone that may serve as a support to you in that relationship. And it can be in the form of, you know, your family don't really care about us. So why do we even go over there? Or, you know, it could be mm-hmm. the young man, mm-hmm. the gentleman saying your girlfriends are jealous of our relationship or because abuse goes both ways. We know that one in four women would be victims of domestic violence, but also one in seven men. So it can also be the female who comes in and say, you know what, I no longer want you hanging out and playing basketball with your friends isolation, remove any and everyone, including your spiritual guide from you. If I do that, then you only depend on me. The other is, it's extreme jealousy. Something that for a lot of us, we think that it's adorable or it's cute, but we see every day on the news where the person ends up lives being taken as a form of extreme jealousy. The person can be possessive over you, which means that they want to know every and any and everything that you're doing. They accuse you of doing things such as cheating when they know that you're not. They get mad when you talk to other individuals for, for no unknown reason, but just because. It definitely if it's someone that is of the opposite sex. And this could be someone that you might have grown up with. They want to control that individual and in everything that they do or say. That person tends to have to get permission. They have to check in and make sure that wherever they're doing and wherever they're going, that it's okay from that individual. And one of the biggest things that I would say is you, you feel scared. We have that instinct gut feeling that when that person is around mm-hmm. us, that mm-hmm. we're not mm-hmm. safe, that something is wrong. And so we have to take note of that. Also, they want to make all the decisions and you lose your voice in that relationship. And they become now dominant over you and anyone who lives in the content of that home. The last two is they won't accept a breakup. Um, and so they are masked with a love. They are masked with what's well, what's the well-being for our children. They will not accept breaking up. And when you do decide to walk away, one of the things that a lot of our victims took for granted is stalking. And so now we have to educate and teach them of that importance of getting that protective order because stalking, unfortunately, is why a lot of our victims end up losing their life. 
And so we have to now start taking stock in a lot more serious. And that's also including social media. So that means that now we have to teach individuals how to remove that person from social media because the best way to destroy you and to keep you in this unhealthy relationship, the fastest way is now through social media. It can be your yeah. best friend or your worst enemy. Wow. That that is so hopefully those of you are listening, hopefully you because I immediately, as you were going through that list, I immediately thought about somebody mm -hmm. who who told me, you know, we're having a conversation and they're telling me about somebody else. Mm. You know, they're telling me about a third party, and you're going through that list, and I'm like, those are red flags. Absolutely. Those are red flags. So if y'all are you're out there listening and you heard some red flags, make sure that you talk to your people about this. So before we go to the next thing, um, everybody, if you're watching on YouTube, I need you to go ahead and like, subscribe, sign up for these notifications. If you're listening by podcast, be sure to go to iTunes, give us five stars. Then I need you to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend so that they can tell another friend. We got a lot of good stuff going here. So I, I mentioned, um, Nicole, you, you were my first supervisor when I moved to Houston and we were working with, with youth then. And you mentioned that, you know, that's part of your passion as well. You want to talk about that a little bit? So when I started, um, and Mike, you're right. Mike came in and he was, he had a lot of ideas and he was going to change the world. Uh, and he did. And I'm so proud of you, Mike. Um, working with young adults you. have been a passion of mine. One, because of how I grew up. And I grew up in a household where um, it was divided. My mother and father got divorced early. Um, and I didn't understand. And nobody at that time explained to me what I was going through. My father was, you know, everything to me. And he just one day was there and the next day he was gone. And I had a choice. I can, I made a choice that I can allow that situation to break me or I can figure out what took place so it can make me. And once I did the work for myself and I tried to understand why it took place and it had nothing to do with me, I started thinking there are so many other young adults who, because they didn't write the story, they don't know what the ending is. And that story is based on something that their parents decided to do. And that is where my passion started because I wanted to be the, the, the one to be able to say, I'm here, I'm listening. And that get them to understand that you didn't write this story. So don't allow the ending to be negative. You don't know what it's going to be based on someone else, but you can determine what it's going to be for you. And so that's what started me in this program. Um, I've worked in shelters. I worked... Uh, uh, the drug and alcohol and counseling. I've, I've worked with you so much that they end up teaching me how to be the better version of me. They taught me how to be the best parent that I can be. And that just continues to fuel me and make me continue to want to work with young adults. I, I can say the exact same. I am so much better because I work with young people. Mm -hmm. You know, they, I, I think they keep us young. Um, but then when we sit and, and talk to them and get to know them and, you know, I, I think oftentimes we're there to help them right. and I think they end up helping us more than we will ever know. Um, more than we will ever, 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 ever know. 
So um, I worked with you for, I think, eight years or mm-hmm. so um, at the council. Yeah. Uh, those were those were good years. Those were really, really good years. And I know I, I t- I've told you this before, but thank you so much um, for hiring a brother. Um, I'm going to just go ahead and tell y'all a little story. I don't know if Nicole remembers this. I remember that car. But, um, <laughs> that's exactly where I was going. So I, I was driving a 1986 Honda Prelude with no door handles. The trunk didn't close. Um, I had a bottle of glue stuck in my headlamp because my headlamp wouldn't stay up. Um, I went and interviewed. I don't know if I interviewed well or not, but I remember Nicole <laughs> telling me, baby, I watched you walk back to your car in the parking lot and I felt bad for you. I was like, we got to get that baby a job. And listen, when I tell you, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Cause I was driving around Houston looking for a job sure with no was. AC, mm-hmm. with no AC in August of 2000. Oh, that was... And then you got to look cocky. You said, well, since you offered me a job, I cannot work for no... I, I need at least 20000 And I was thinking, <laughs> I think we could do a lot better than that. I said, you have an education. <laughs> Listen, coming from... I had a college degree, but coming from the job that I was able to get in Louisiana That's right. with that degree... 20,000 was like a come up, <laughs> you know? So, and I'm going to tell you, um, I'll never forget this. You told me this. I don't know if you remember this or not. Um, you know, you, you told me, you know, you take this job, this, however much you're making at this job and you treat it like it's the hundred thousand dollar job. That's right. You know, I'll, I'll never forget that. And that is how I work. That's right. You know, that, that is how I work. That's right. So again, I appreciate you so, so, so much. All right. Um, so you, you've, you've kind of told us, not kind of told us, you told us about the work um, that you do, um, the things that you're passionate about. You got a couple of other things on here that I, I want you to, to talk about. What, what are your goals when you're done working <laughs> with, with young people and, you, and you're ready to just, you know, call it quits and retire? What, what are you going to do then? So number one, I'm going to retire with no stress. And that means that my finances are going to be intact. I'm praying that I will have some grandkids to spend time with. But I also plan to travel this world uh, with my husband. And when I tell you, eat some good food and drink some great wine and laugh a lot because I just feel like that's what God wants for me. He wants to see me to my dying day with a smile on my face. And so uh, I'm already starting that process. I'm starting it right now. You know, so every day I get up with a smile on my face and I go to sleep with a glass of wine in my hand. (laughs) Hey, that is, that is. So you go to sleep with that glass of wine in your hand. So I know you're knocked out. Yes, that's it. That's it. That's it. But if there was anything that would keep you up at night, what, what could it possibly be? You know what? Honestly, I wake up every morning between 2.30 and 3.30 and I pray. Uh, what keeps me up at night is always praying about the well-being of my family and their safety. I do that for my family and my friends. Um, and that's my peaceful time to talk to God. And so I don't, I'm not going to say it keeps me up at night, but I do wake up uh, and that's who I talk to. And I'm, good. I'm glad I've been doing that for years and I'm going to continue to be that person. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Before we move on to this next segment, I want you to go ahead and, and tell everybody who's listening one more time how they can get in touch with you if they have any questions. So they can reach me at Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E, 
F is in Frank, at ABDA, A is for Apple, V is in Victor, D is in Dog, A is in Apple, dash TX.org. And Mike, I really do want to say that if anybody find themselves in a victimizing situation, may it be male or female, that once they reach out to me, just know that our services are free. Um, so that means that if someone wants a protective order, restraining order, or they want a divorce, as long as they're not living with the perpetrator, we can support and help them. Um, and we go out and we work in the schools and we educate young adults on how to break that cycle. Because if we don't start with the, our individuals and they grow up to either be victims or to be perpetrators themselves. Out of curiosity, I wrote a couple of things down here and you, you actually answered it already. Um, one in four women, one in four one is, men, one, I seven. Mean, one in seven, mm -hmm. one in seven men. So when you're talking to your clients, approximately what percentage say that this started when they were teenagers or younger? So uh, often enough, I would probably say probably 95% of them said that they witnessed it because what we don't understand is that research shows that a young adult that is in the womb is more perceptive to coming out and experiencing the level of violence than a child who has actually witnessed domestic violence. And so research show, we work with several physicians that uh, a lot of young adults who are in the school system who may have been diagnosed with ADD or ADHD have to have to go back and be reevaluated because if you grew up in a violent environment and you saw domestic violence, it has the same symptoms and the same diagnosis as a, a child who has been diagnosed with ADD or ADHD. So now we have to understand if that child who grew up has never been able to get any kind of resources, any kind of support or help, then that child grows up. And that's the kid that you may see in school who is acting out and they don't know why they are being, they're that individual. But as they go along, that is, situation has not changed. It has increased. And so all they know is violence or all they know is to become a victim because that's what they grew up and that's what they saw. Wow. That, that's a lot. That's deep that that is that is really deep so we have kids manifesting a behavior that could not even be what it, it's diagnosed to be absolutely so so is it possible I, I i don't know if if um if you know the answer to this or not but is it possible so i'm diagnosed as add or adhd and i'm being treated and medicated for add or adhd mm -hmm. and that's not really what my issue is, mm -hmm. do, am I responding to that treatment or not? So, you know, so you, what you're doing is, because you have to understand domestic violence is a different level of trauma, right? And mm -hmm. so that level mm -hmm. of trauma can manifest in you for an eternity without getting the support and help that you need. So when I grow, grow up and I'm sitting in a classroom and I'm not able to focus, I'm not able to sit still, that fight or flight that I experienced when I was a young child, that doesn't go away if I don't get the help or support I need. I grow up with that same personality, those same characteristics. And so one of the things that physicians are now starting to ask when you bring a child in for their physical, um, they ask that question. Was, did this child experience any type of domestic violence? May it be in the womb or they physically witnessed this level of trauma? Because if that's the case, now we have to deal with getting this young adult trauma counseling 
which is so different than just having them, the teacher fill out the form and say, this young adult is not able to sit in front of a TV or this young adult is not able to focus. That child is not able to focus because they grew up in an environment where their focus was what was going on at home and how they're going to go home and survive or they're worried about their loved ones. And so that's the reason why it's important to ask that child that question, because now we know how to deal with those particular behaviors. And it's more than oh. just not being able to sit down and focus on their schoolwork. Yeah, that's that's good. My so. I had Dr. Brian Turner, who is a clinical psychologist out of New Orleans. Um, he was on the, our, our first episode in season two, mm-hmm. and he talked about how trauma is passed on right. genetically. Mm-hmm. Science and research shows that trauma can be passed down through generations genetically. Absolutely. And you said that trauma can manifest for eternity if it's untreated. If it's untreated. Absolutely. Oh my and goodness. he's absolutely my right. Goodness. Right. Because it's the same thing. When we talk about the same thing, I just said the cycle of violence, that is, that is, that's transition through your generation. Right. And Cause that's never been broken. No one's ever dealt with it. You've normalized it. And so now your entire family is becoming that you, you, we, we have individuals who grew up and say, you know, my mom and dad, physically fought each other for years. And now that's all that my brothers do. I even use myself as an example. When I grew up, my mother was the dominant one and I considered her to be a strong black woman. She was the one that was verbally and emotionally abusive to my father. And I love her to dearly, but it was until I got older and I seen some of those behaviors in my own kids that I had to go back and re-raise. And I remember asking my husband, you know, where did, you know, my daughter, my son get that behavior from? And he said, they got it from you who I've seen it in your mother. And so I grew up thinking that she's a strong black woman. Whereas now I know that those behaviors was based on her trauma that she gave to me. And until someone brought it to my attention, I would have never thought that. Ooh, listen, you, you going, you, you in deep water now <laughs> you are there in the deep water. So, um, Nicole, that was so rich. That was so rich because what what I'm trying to do with this platform Mm -hmm. is help our people heal in four different ways. Physically, mentally, spiritually, and financially. Absolutely. And and what you are talking about is going to help us heal. So I'm I'm hoping that somebody, Mm -hmm. because what you said was what I misconstrued as strength was abuse. Absolutely. So so for those of y'all who are listening, I, I really don't want y'all to miss that. Don't misconstrue strength when it's actually abuse. Absolutely. So let me ask you this last question before we move on. Okay. What steps do we need to take? Because this is this is a generational curse, mm-hmm. right? This is this is a generational curse. Abuse and abusiveness is a generational curse right. in all of the ways that abuse manifests. Mm-hmm. Physical, um, sexual, emotional, verbal abuse, technological abuse, spiritual abuse. What steps do we take to break that curse? So the first thing we need to do as a community is stop giving what we call uh, excuses. We call those causes, right? Um, mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is we have we know that these are contributing factors so such as it could be anger you know people use say i'm angry and this is the reason why i behave the way i behave or they may say well i'm addicted to a substance 
This is the reason why I behave or their environment, or it could be I have PTSD or I'm stressed. We're stressed right now. Or we have individuals say it's my mental disorder. When we stop excusing, using those things as causes for another individual hurting us, abusing us, then we can open up those doors and start seeing a different light. That's when we start breaking that cycle that I talked about before. And so when we get to that point, we have to identify that those are red flags. And at that point in time, we have to be able to say, I have to talk about this or walk away and understand the importance of not only you getting into a healthy relationship, but your children. I call them the, uh, the unknown victim or your children being in a healthy relationship. So it starts with you, Mike. I have to do the homework for myself. And it's unfortunate that in our culture, that's not something that we're we're privy to or we accept. But when we start dealing with it for ourselves and we start identifying, you know, where the cycle broke and that it is a cycle, it is until then that we can start healing. And so that's another thing that I'm passionate about. And it is breaking the cycle. We have to break the cycle with relationships. You mentioned it, finances, retirement. We have to break the cycle and realize that we we do deserve to be happy. And it starts with you. And we cannot be bystanders and just sit back. And because we feel as though it has nothing to do with us, we walk away. Because we know that that's not always the case. When somebody is victimized, it impacts each and every one of us. So we have to be able to get out there and educate. And that's what I do every single day. Educate on what's unhealthy compared to healthy and not being ashamed to get support and help. That's good. That's good. That's good. We got to make sure we do the work, y'all. You got to do the work. We have to make sure we do the work. All right. Ooh, that was good stuff. All right, Nicole, moving on to the next segment. Um, What are you reading right now? Or do you have any recommended books? Uh, I actually, I have it here. It's called a hundred ways to stay young. <laughs> Okay. Okay. What's number one? Okay. I'm going to get the book and tell you, right? The first one is surrounding myself around good people. All right. Okay. So what that meant is that I had to, I had to, uh, part of my growth, I had to remove a lot of people that brought stress and negativity out of my life. That was the biggest part. So number one, um, if you're not coming with a solution, because solutions help with dealing with stress. If you're not being open and positive and being transparent, um, you know, those are the things that I've realized that are important to me. Loyalty, uh, dedication, you know, doing things according to God. And so just reading that one part about removing people, uh, that made me understand that those are the things that are important to me. So that's the first one. That's the first one, removing those negative people out of my life. And who, who's the who's the author of this book? Uh, it says it's called. I'm gonna show it up so you can kind of see it on there. And okay. the author okay. is. Uh, let me open it up here and see. P a r r a g o n. All right. It's a hundred ways to stay young. One hundred ways to stay young. There you go. All right. Recommended music. What are you listening to right now? Oh my goodness. There's this song by PJ Morton and it's about how deep is your love. And it's a remake 
of the song. And when I tell you that is, I mean, I jam it, I groove it. I think I wore it out. My husband's like, don't you play that song again? But it's so positive, right? It's, and, and it's a woman, when you see the video, when you see this young lady in the video, um, you don't think that she she has that passion or that voice. And it's just, it just gives me light. And so I listen to it. I sit in my office and before I start work, I put it on and that's how I've been ending my day. Okay. 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 So I'm um, not a big podcast listener, but hopefully, you know, you'll, you know, you'll dive in and, and listen to yourself on, on the network and then, you know, maybe listen to some other ones. Yes. Right. Right. We're doing, we're, we're, this is one place where we are doing the work. We're trying to, to be a platform for the work. All right. This next segment is called rapid fire. Mm. All right. So I'm going to ask you, I got, I got a list of random questions here to ask you. Okay. Okay. I don't want you to think about them too long. First thing that comes to mind, I want you to go ahead and just spit it out. All right. I saw your podcast the other night. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. This is a question that I ask probably 95% of our guests. If you could have a superpower, what would it be and why? Uh, my superpower would be be able to read people's minds and why, because I want people uh, who are positive in my life and transparent. And I want to be able to tell if they for real or are they fake? That would be my okay. superpower. Okay. Okay. Best advice you've ever received. Stay in my lane. Okay. Okay. That's good advice. That's good advice. You know, you drift over in other lanes, you get an accident. Stay in my lane. Every, 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 everyone's business does not belong to me. No one to speak and no one to shut up. Amen. And amen. <laughs> All right. So the house is on fire. You got to run back in and you can only grab two things. What two things are you grabbing? I'm going to grab the fire safe because that's where all the important documents are in. And it's, now all the kids and my husband are already gone, right? If they're outside right. with Every, me. Everybody okay. else gone. Uh, uh, let's see. I'm going to grab the fire safe and I'm probably going to grab my, ju- no, my jewelry. And, yeah, my jewelry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, something okay. that I can sell okay. until I can get my benefits. <laughs> okay. Now, <laughs> I know you were born in San Antonio, but you grew up right here in Houston. Uh-huh. Okay. So I, I just, I need to ask. P.F. Chang's or Timmy Chan? Oh, P.F. Chang's. Popeye's or Frenchie's? Popeye's. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I, I said it too soon. Frenchie's, Frenchie's. I go with Frenchie's. Okay. They piss okay. pieces are bigger. Uh, the Summit or the Toyota Center? Summit. Okay. The North Side Mm-mm. or the South Side? South. South. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> What is your favorite summer activity? Ooh, summer activity. Sitting by the lake drinking wine. I got to be somewhere around water with a glass of wine. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good place to be. Mm-hmm. That's a good place to be. All right. Biggest pet peeve. Uh, let's see. My people lying to me in my face. I, I don't do well with people not being open and honest. The audacity. The audacity. Because I feel like yeah. I don't. I create a positive environment. You don't have to. <laughs> you know, and then, so like people, 
will like just lie to you to your face like you don't know they lying. Right, for no reason. Like you, like you're not even good at lying. <laughs> like I, know, I know you lying. All right, here we go. Last question okay. right here. If a movie of your life was made, who would play you? Angela Bassett. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. All right. All right. Good. All right. That was that was rapid fire. You did pretty good. You did pretty good. You did pretty good. Not bad at all. All right. You know. I mean, I had to. You know, I had to come up with a with some special H Town questions. Just that was for you. good. All right. This next segment is called "You Didn't Ask." Mm. What unsolicited advice would you like to share for this segment titled? You didn't ask. You didn't ask. What is it about about yourself you like and why? And the reason oh. why I say that is because uh, we live in a time where it's about self-care and empowerment. And so if you had asked me that question, I would have said uh, I'm aging gracefully. Um, and, you know, it is. I'm, I'm powerful. I'm glad to be who I am. It's about affirming myself. And so that would be it. Why didn't why you didn't ask? What is it about myself that I like? And I like that about me, that I'm aging gracefully. That you know what? That's good. And that's um that's also a level of confirmation because I told somebody last week that I, I looked at myself in the mirror for the first time and was like, I, I like, I like myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I like I like where I am. I like the, the person I'm becoming. Yeah. So that's good. That's good stuff right there. Nicole, you have been blessing my life for over 20 years. So thank you so much for joining me today. So everybody, thank y'all for joining thank us you, this week on the network. Much love to today's guest, Nicole. Um, make sure you check out the show notes. You can get Nicole's recommended book, yeah. uh, her recommended music. Um, I'm going to get some information for you about those uh, red flags. I'm going to make sure that I add the red flags in the show notes Perfect. as well. Follow the network with Michael Prejean on Instagram and Facebook. The underscore network underscore podcast on Instagram. The network with Michael Prejean on Facebook. Subscribe to the network. You may need it. Nicole, thank you so much. For I love you always. Much love for you, Mike. Very proud of you. Thank you for having me.